So thankful to have an opportunity to talk with Mark Sigma, who's one of the pastors for Matthias's Lot over in St. Charles, Missouri. We had a great conversation and you don't want to miss it. You're listening to the Tim Price Go Harvest podcast, a podcast designed to offer practical insight and encouragement to local church ministry leaders. We're thrilled to have you join us during this second season of the podcast and invite you to help us continue to reach new people by hitting subscribe and the five-star rating. Blessings on you in your ministry. And for now, let's turn it over to Tim Price. Mark Sigma is one of these guys that I've known for a long, long time. Met him as a student at his home church, and then over the course of several years, have had an opportunity to be at summer camp together, and uh, remember a lot of times of being in his churches when he was a youth pastor, and many times when he was a speaker for our events, and he would uh, be a presenter for some of the conferences that we would have, one-night events, weekend events and a whole host of other things that happen when you know somebody for many years. I'm proud of the work that he's doing and the way that he is so focused on kingdom work and the church he's leading and the people he is uh, serving and for the influence that he is. And so we're going to jump into this conversation. I appreciate you all listening. Welcome, everybody. I'm here with Mark Sigma, and so glad to be able to connect with him today. And um been a while since we got to visit, but we've also been connected over the years for many years. And so welcome, Mark. Tim, it's great to be here. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me. I don't even remember how exactly we first met and maybe it was like a trickle in from the youth group. No, I, uh, I, I believe the first time we met was in 1992. Uh, Harvest was traveling and uh, you guys came to uh, the First United Methodist Church in Vandalia, Illinois, to lead worship. And uh, we had this little fellowship hall area. And so by, by my recollection, 92, 93, maybe somewhere in there, but you guys came to lead and um, and we met through that. And then soon after I was coming to um, events you guys were doing. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I was tw- I was 12 or 13, 14 years old, somewhere somewhere in there. I was I was young. Yeah, actually, now I do. I remember the basement of First Methodist. Yep. And, yeah, it was. And then somewhere in high school, one memory I have, one of the many memories I have stands out of you doing a talent show. And <laughs> you came up to me and said, <laughs> you're probably like freshman or something. You're like, can we borrow your keyboard? And I said, sure. And your friend, whoever it was at the time, I can't remember, is like, you don't play keyboard. And you go, that doesn't matter. <laughs> You guys made something. Uh, yeah, it's uh, there. There's a lot of a lot of those memories. You're you're always very and still are very uh, very gracious. So to to deal with um, all the shenanigans, especially of of my shenanigans, I'm, I'm I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, that's awesome. Tell us a little bit uh, catching up wise, your family and um, church. Yeah, so I married uh, Heidi, um, who I went to. Uh, college with. We were high school sweethearts, married her in 2002. Um, and then we have three kids, 14-year-old daughter named Avery, uh, who is awesome and entrepreneur and just a great young woman, passion for the Lord. And then two, a riffraff, as I call them, two boys, uh, 11 and 10, <laughs> Dawson and Maddox, and uh, soft hearts to the gospel as well. And, and um, yeah, awesome young men. We, we planted the church after seven years of youth ministry, we planted Matthias in 2005. 
Uh, so Matthias is, is aging quickly, um, which, which means that what I still feel young, at least I act young, I've been in, been in vocational ministry for 22 plus years now. So it's been a, it's been a run, been a run brother. And again, you've, you've known me yeah. for uh, what way more than half my life, which is, is pretty crazy, which, which makes you probably one of my oldest friends, uh, which is, which is awesome. There's not, there's not too many friends that I have that go past like before 12 or 13. So. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. <laughs> there's also the, um, the, you move from Illinois to Missouri at some point, and then you have that little divide of friends. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When we, when I, uh, right after I graduated McKendry, um, I took a youth pastor job in O'Fallon, Missouri, and that's what got us to the Missouri side of the river. And then three years later, planted Matthias in St. Charles. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, this, uh, describe your ministry a bit. That's awesome to hear about family and start, but what is kind of the, um, kind of gist of what? Yeah, Matthias, I mean, first a weird name. Um, Matthias is the guy who replaces Judas in Acts chapter one. A lot of question of whether he, whether he was actually the 12th or not. Uh, to me, it really doesn't matter. What he represents scripturally is he restores integrity to the apostolic ring. Synod entered in through um, through Judas and Peter stands up and quoting the Old Testament says, hey, someone needs to take his place. And so they, um, they put forth two names. God does. They pray. And Justice, who was also called, called Barsabbas, he's got three names actually in Acts. And then Matthias uh, is the, the other name. And so what Matthias represents is, again, this restoration of integrity. And that's, that, that's really my heart. Um, that there's a lot of uh, pieces, both to my story and my experience, where the, the body of Christ um, was, was, was really putting a, a bad taste in my mouth and the mouths of others about Christ, about Jesus. And, and so I wanted to be a part of something that, a very small part, that could be about restoring integrity to the bride of Christ. And, and, um, and so to do that, there's all kinds of ways, but felt very called that Matthias would embrace a different kind of rhythm. And so ever since we started, we do Wednesday night corporate gatherings, which is uh, very different. And then a, a Sunday, um, we call them lot families, but they're small groups. So on Wednesday night, we have 645 and 845 worship gatherings. Our second service doesn't get out till 1020, 1025, and then fellowship till midnight or after. Uh, and then on, on Sundays, we have lot families that meet all over our, uh, our community and county. Yeah, so in, in uh, obviously to, to say that you're restoring integrity, uh, it's, it's not that we have all the answers or that, um, um, or, that, or that I believe we're the best church ever, M much to the opposite. I uh, just trying to embrace what God's called us to do to, uh, to embrace our desperate need of Christ uh, as, we, as we really love and care for people. So that's our, awesome. that's, that's our ministry approach. And uh, again, like 2005, it's just a pipe dream, right? Like God, I, th I think you're calling us to do this, but it sure seems weird and wild and crazy. And, and now, you know, 15 and a half years later, it's, it's amazing to see God's grace and fruit uh, that, that's come from it all. So. Yeah. And I, I remember you talking about that idea of Wednesday night anchor and Sundays really being more of a Sabbath or an opportunity to, you know, mm -hmm. engage community and all that kind of stuff. And um, it's almost like a lot of church plants do the unique thing sort of, and then eventually sort of become more in line with a institutional kind of typical approach. But you guys haven't done that. 
so and then you talk about fruit like how many people are involved in this that meet on wednesdays and then small groups on sundays like yeah i mean right now uh we've got um 800 or so folks that are gathering on wednesdays and um 600 or so folks that are involved in our lot families and uh and obviously with covid we've we've now been able to embrace an online presence that we didn't have before and that's opened up a lot of new doors as well so um so yeah it's a whole bunch of people that, that are living in a different kind of rhythm mm -hmm. and um and like you said I mean, there were many people that said it was the stupidest idea ever including including uh large famous ministry leaders and i just what i told them is i don't know what you want me to do like i i i really believe god's called us to do this and so even if he called me to do it to fail, um, whatever failure would be defined as, I, um, I man, I, I really think obedience is way better than the appeasal of man. And, and so if the door shut in three years and he wanted us to take that journey, then, then, then so be it. Uh, thankfully, by his grace, um, you know, it's one day at a time right now. So it's yeah. been a lot of fun. That is, that's good. So, um, on and it's just for my own thing but you also have other churches you're connected to or that you've sent off or what's the story of those yeah so uh, jason zelmer planted matthias uh, with me in 2005 and now jason has planted i don't know like feels like 35 churches but he's he's actually a part of plant midwest uh, now and and leads a, a large organization that is all about church planting. Um, so that's been really awesome to see God continue to use him. And then simultaneously, we planted August Gate Church. Uh, a dear friend of mine, Noah Oldham, uh, who now is similar. Uh, he's in a, a lot of uh, church planting networks and leading part of the SEND network. And he's doing a lot of work uh, in, in the Baptist world. And yeah, just really two very gifted dudes that have went on to plant churches. And they were a part of our community at one point in time. And so we actually uh, brought on um, to our staff a couple of years ago, my mentor, who was a lead pastor for 20 years. And so now he works with me and part of our big heart moving forward is planting more churches and, and really uh, creating a culture um, where people can be raised up and sent out. So we started the Servant Leader Institute here in our body and it's just a, it's a replication, um, um, church planting, uh, empowering young servant leader model. And so, yeah, and it's gonna be awesome to see us continue to embrace the planting of other churches but th but those churches too though they took on the the same gospel dna that matthias has they're they're autonomous and so they you know they, they utilized a maybe what we could call a more traditional model uh of of um of gathering on sundays and then small groups throughout the week but carried with it some of the things that they learned here at matthias the church planting mode uh, is is like survival mode in some ways and it's you know high passion and high touch and it's not a lot of you know structure <laughs> you're just kind of making it happen it takes a special person to do it and then you get 15 or 20 years into it is there still that church planting sense or is it does it feel like you're a new church or does it feel like you're something different it's a that's an awesome question and i i get to hang with a lot of young planters um and address this because I think even when I was young, I had these aspirations uh, of, of, you know, one day Matthias will look like this or be like this and, or have this. And then it, it was very young in that journey where I was like, I, I really think that daily obedience, um, no matter what God brings or takes away is the key here. 
Um, because I, I think now having whatever, um, quite a few folks and it doesn't feel as uh, fragile. The reality is each season, just like child rearing, each season has uh, new and unique challenges. And uh, I, I joke sometimes, but, but more, more people, more problems. I mean, it's, you know, the, the more people there are, the, 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 more, the more sin there is, including your own. And so when you're a small group of 30, you're just dealing with your sin and those, you know, the sin of those 30 and the pursuit of Christ. And, 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 and you think, okay, once we, you know, once we have 500 folks, then, then I guess I thought sin goes away or something. The reality is it just is now exasperated and you, you know, amplified. yeah, it's amplified and you're dealing with more, uh, more challenges and, and your own insecurities and, um, obviously, you're watching God move in all of those stages, but it's very much like raising a child. And um, now having a 14-year-old, there were amazing blessings of having a one-year-old and challenges to having a one-year-old. There's amazing blessings to having a 14-year-old and there's unique challenges to having a 14-year-old. So um, so I, I would say I just I speak that that uh, into the, you know, the hearts and minds of young planters saying really like seeking obedience and, and the, the daily embracing of what God has for you, uh, chipping away the long game I talk about a lot versus, you know, coming out of the gate hot um, only to find yourself, you know, waning as years go on. Cause it, it is, it is a, it is so hard. I mean, first we're fighting an enemy that wants us dead. I mean, he has no less than murderous intent. He wants us dead. And so we've got that battling against us. We have the old man, our flesh coming against us. And then we have all of these people that have a voice and, and are challenging to lead and they're beautiful and they're incredible, but you put all those things together and the sexiness of church planting um, that I thought it was in 2005, I've, I've now learned is, is, uh, is not, not too sexy at all. It's beautiful in what God's called us, but man, it's really hard, really, really hard. So I, I, I think, yeah, there, there's just the, there's just these stages and each stage just comes with new challenges and, yep. and um, new, new beauties. So I need to memorize this verse, but I like there's a verse in Exodus where he, Moses is dealing with all the people and all their complaints and his prayer is basically, they're your people. Oh yeah. No, he, yeah, he tells, tells God, like, come on, what's, why don't you come down and take care of your people, Lord. Yeah. And, and, uh, and again, I, I include myself in that. I mean, it's, in each stage of the church plant, I've had my own battles. And uh, I, I say about marriage a lot. If you think, if you think you're going to, you know, if you think you can predict this, the seasons and stages of your spouse, like part of being married is you're, you know, that you're going to marry like six different people. It's going to be the same person, but a whole bunch of things are going to grow you, change you, morph you throughout the years. And of course the same bedrock person, but oh my goodness, like um, you know, 18 years in a marriage. And I mean, Heidi and I are, are so different and, yeah. we've, and we have so many new wounds and so many new joys and, and we've experienced so much life together. So I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah. Just in, in, in your own leadership is you, you change so much. Um, yeah. I had a dear friend uh, commit suicide at the end of 2017 and, and the amount at which that, that changed me, um, you know, the amount at which God used um, that, that horrific pain in my life. It, I mean, just even that moment has been, um, you know, it's been a huge piece of my story. So, so similarly, the, st the stages of church planting there, there's a lot of factors. Well, there is, yeah, that is, that is really, 
wise. And it's really a big reason why you got to stay in communion with God, because if you're not in step with Jesus and spirit leading, the changes that just happen naturally is just a human would just do you in. I mean, like you just be sunk, but, uh, yeah. And, and there's, yeah. and there's so many things that there's, there's so many things that encourage and so many things that discourage. And, and I think the, the call to be sober minded is such an important word for ministry leaders um, because the, the chance to um, get sucked in by, by so many various things is, is tremendous. And uh, so being sober minded and, and as you said, in step with the spirit of God, um, if that's driving ministry in life, then, then the ability to not get thrown to and fro by the waves uh, keeps the focus on Christ. That is good. So you, you might've just said all that you're learning because that was some great stuff, but in the midst of all these seasons, what, what thing are you learning right now? Yeah, I think it's the, I think it's the same thing um, that I've learned in every year of ministry. And I, I even, I hesitate to say this because the moment you say, that humility is something you're striving after, then it's, it's like, is, is that, is that truly, you know, are you truly humble, but, um, but servant leadership and when serving um, both those that you lead and those that you're caring for and embracing that opportunity to show the, the, the love of Christ, it's, it's growing in humility. Um, you know, Tim, when you knew me when I was very young, I was always very, um, I would say, brash and bold and loud. And I still am those things. But throughout the years, there's, there's been a, um, a growing uh, humility that has risen. And, um, and it's, it's been beautiful to see the, the gospel continue to, uh, to take root in me. And um, I don't know, like, again, when I was young, I think it was, it was very much a, a, okay, it's like my ideas and my ways of doing things and my, like, it was a lot of my talk uh, or, or at least my thinking, maybe I would say the right thing, but in my heart and mind, I would still think that, that it was, it was my way. And, 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 and as the years have gone on, God has just continued to soften me. And uh, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a rarity. I'm tearing up now. I mean, it's, it's a rarity that I preach and I don't, um, weep. It's like, I I don't know how you can communicate the gospel and consider God's grace without, um, eyes filled with tears. It's interesting. I had a good friend, uh, pray that over me a few years ago, an older, wiser mentor, just pray that I would have eyes filled with tears as I consider the gospel. And, uh, and ever since then, um, it's been beautiful to see how God's done that. So I think there's just just a growing humility, Tim. Um, and, and with, without that, like the days where my pride rages or the days where my insecurity rages or the days where I give in to the discouragement, um, man, it, 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 it is crippling. Um, but the days where I'm gospel centered, Christ focused, um, really, you know, really focused on, on staying in step with the spirit. Again, it's as if, I can get a right hook to the, to the chin and, and still exalt Christ. But this, this is the battle. Um, and certainly what I'm learning. Yeah. Humility. I, I heard a guy talking about it once and, um, 
you said that there you like you just mentioned you even bring it up and then you have this other issue that you're thinking about more totally uh, i like c.s lewis's quote where he says it's not thinking uh less about yourself it's just thinking about yourself less exactly but this one guy he brought up this he was just talking he's like yeah i was sitting there and uh guest in a church and the pastor's mentioning the fact that different people are here and i knew he was going to mention me and and then this guy's like uh well no i don't want to be i don't want to be prideful so I, I need to be more humble he's sitting there he's totally fine all of a sudden it creeps up in him again he goes well now that i've said that i don't want to you know that i want to be humble and i don't i don't anticipate he's gonna mention me he'll he'll surely mention me now <laughs> so it just keeps coming around and coming around like you exactly can't, you can't stop it so if you're gonna yeah, boast, it, boast in the lord and you just go for it exactly i mean i don't i can't get out of my mind the the reality of Jesus saying, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And that's a great poetic verse. Um, if it, if you, if it just like comes off the tongue, but when it really penetrates the heart, it changes everything. I mean, the gospel disrupts every aspect of your life. I'll just speak for myself. The gospel disrupts every aspect of my life. Um, there's not one one piece of what I do, how I live, how I parent, how I'm a husband, how I preach, how I lead, where the gospel doesn't disrupt all of that. And it's a beautiful disruption. But in my early days, I think I was trying to create the disruption instead of embrace what the gospel um, was was naturally doing through the Holy Spirit. So, so that, that just made me think about when a, when a congregation is meeting together at the very beginning of its you know, the, the whole brand new start, Yeah. all the passionate people that are there. Then all of a sudden you have the next wave, the next generation. So like in the church that I'm a part of this group of people that started it, it was 1843. So you can't even get in their minds anymore. Like that is so, so long ago. And then their kids are there watching their parents. Like we're starting something new. This is major. We're, we're changing the world in our little corner here, kingdom of God. Yeah. Then this next group of people, they, they basically, become part of the it's hard to like instill that kind of passion basically you want to teach them so you, and it kind of moves to more of a you know a different kind of level and then by the third or fourth generation then you have this group of kids that are pretty much just keeping it you know it it's like the life cycle of an institution sort of so how do you guys how, how do you guys do that or how is that happening a decade and a half in how do kids come along yeah i think the uh, in 2009, I started studying biblical discipleship after being uh, really convicted by the Lord. I was using a lot of language that that was right, but that hadn't actually taken um, grip of our community or ministry philosophy. So, for instance, I would say we're a disciple-making church. And before 2009, so in our first four years, if someone were to press me on like, well, what do you actually mean by that? I, I would have, I wouldn't have much. Uh, substantial evidence or even a direction within all that. So we have all these slogans in Christendom that we use to, to, I believe, hide behind. And so what happened in 2009 is God really convicted me on the issue of discipleship. And, and so before just learning a new trick, which is what I think we really lust after in the church, we want to read the next book and learn the new trick. And, you know, and that's why we like, again, just grab a hold of whatever is, is up and coming. Instead, I really repented first of my lack of ownership of what, what, Christ had commanded me to, to make disciples. And, and then after the repentance, then I just sought the scriptures and um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John seeing um, six main philosophies of discipleship that then I saw exactly the same in Paul and Timothy. 
And so then the fruit of that was, um, was creating and embracing a, a culture of discipleship here at Matthias and, and then being able to speak, um, to speak into some of the other communities around us. So that's really the, I would say one of, one of the, the thriving passions of Matthias is, is not just raising up, but truly empowering the younger generation and uh, other churches send folks to meet with me all the time saying, Mark, you have hundreds of young people, like how do you do it? Um, in a, you know, in an overall culture that seems like uh, millennials and, and younger are leaving the church. And, and I, I think they're waiting for me to say, okay, so it takes this kind of technology and this kind of social media. We don't have social media. It takes this, like, I, I think they think that it takes all these things or, and instead what I tell them is, well, all we're, all we're doing here is we're preaching the truth. We're teaching the truth. We're discipling people in God's word. And that is what they're hungry for. Like they're, they are longing for a genuine, sincere, bold proclamation of the gospel. And, and, and that is what we're seeing young people gravitate towards. They're, it's, they're not gravitating towards, um, towards all the peripheral things. They're gravitating towards a genuine, authentic worship as, as we declare a God's word. And, and so when you have a culture of that, then, then anyone who's what we call seasoned, anyone who's older and seasoned, they know that they're going to have to lay down some of their preferences, um, but they're going to do it in the name of making disciples. And so that's how you continue to grow an older generation that is embracing mission versus coming in and saying, well, when we were you know, young, it was like this and we want it to be like this again. Well, instead, you're creating an entire culture where the, the older seasons say we're here to make disciples. And those that are younger, they're saying we, we want to be disciples to spend the rest of our life making disciples. So pour into us and invest so that together we can serve the Lord. And again, not perfectly, not flawlessly. It's messy. It's a, it's a hot mess at times, but, um, but I, I think that's how we're embracing um, that call and commission here. That's good. So you, you mentioned no social media, but you also mentioned online presence. So what does that look like in a church? Is yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and, you know, who knows in, in the progression of things we, we might have, um, you know, we might eventually add social media as a, as another means of, of opening up gospel uh, declaration. Just as of right now, we haven't used social media except uh, a YouTube channel, which we launched um, during COVID. So, uh, so outside of that, that's really been our main form of communication. Um, and again, who, who knows what the future brings? We're having discussions about, can you, can you use social media in a really helpful um you know, gospel-focused, Christ-centered way, and, and I do think you can, and um, that's one of those things I am even trying to open myself up to, because I'm, uh, as it pertains to social media, I've, I've held a pretty, uh, pretty bold stance, I suppose, and um, wanted things to be more uh, underground, and we're, we're far past being underground um, now, so it's, it's just learning how to, how to do those things in a healthy way. There's a lot of story of story of like people that are pretty high profile, and then they all of a sudden wind up tanking in some major, you know, visible kind of to everybody because of social media and just the way the world is. And um, it just gives a black eye and it's just a mess and you feel bad for them and the families and all the stuff that goes into all these different stories that we can all think of. So I've just, I've been thinking about that over the, you know, the last couple of years and just wondering, you don't want to not be successful or you don't want to be an influencer to people and you don't want to not do these things just because you're afraid of it. I don't think it has to equate. There's a lot of great people who don't fall in some way, but you never hear about them. Yeah. I, I, um, 
you know, I too have even been personally uh, impacted um, by the, uh, the the fall or the reality of, of some of those ministry leaders, even some that had an impact uh, on my life personally. And I, I think the first realization is that both you and I are not, are not exempt. I mean, I think about your ministry, Tim, um, and, and even I would say someone that I aspire to be in terms of long-term faithfulness, not Tim and your giftedness um, per se, but, but one of the marks of harvest, uh, Tim has, has been um, long-term faithfulness. Uh, how, how old is harvest ministry now? Well, I guess it's, um, well, I mean, I've been singing at camps and churches since like 90. <laughs> which is, which is incredible. I mean, I, I think that's, I think you embrace the marks of something that I desire and, and that's not starting well, but, but finishing strong. And so I, I think, as I mentioned earlier, it's more about the long game and, and there's all kinds of practical things we could talk about in terms of accountability and encouragement and the influence of prayer within all that. And as you mentioned earlier, communion with God. But I think just from a mindset standpoint, um, it's, it's way, way less about, all right, I'm going to take the, you know, I'm going to take the, the world by storm and way more opening up our hands to what God would have us do and whatever that, whatever that means. And, and truly seeing his, his call uh, as the long game. Again, from our perspective, who knows, I, I may be gone tomorrow. But, um, but I think embracing that is, is a beautiful thing, which I would not have seen or done, or it's not a perspective I would have had as a, as a young man. The perspective I had was let's charge hell and take the world by storm tomorrow. And, you know, 5,000 will get saved tomorrow. And, and, and I'm still praying that 5,000 get saved tomorrow. But at the same time, I like if God keeps me alive till 80, man, I would love to be able to to look back on a ministry that was um, that was sustaining and that was marked by by, yes, my failure and God's grace. But at the same time, a consistent faithfulness and trust in, in, in what God has. So I, there's another mentor of mine that, that's here local um, that's been in ministry as a he planted the church 40, 40 years ago. And, so guys like you, Tim, and I'm not saying you're, you know, you're, you're certainly not seasoned. You're just a little bit my senior, but, but man, um, these markers of the faith, that's why I only read dead guys. I mean, I, I, I mean, I love Piper. I love Keller. I love some of these, um, you know, some of these kinds of theologians, but even them, they're older. I have a really, really hard time reading like 50 years and younger because their life hasn't, like we don't know yet how it's going to transpire. It's why I love Spurgeon. It's why I love E.M. Bounds. It's why I read Ravenhill, like these guys whose ministry is now like they're dead and gone. And we can see the long-term faithfulness. There's just on me. You mentioned, uh, and that was a great answer, a great thought just about leadership in general. Um, but you mentioned a lot of people say, or some people come to you and say, how do you get all these young people at church, you know, where we're at doesn't have this. And especially in the Methodist tribe of, you know, basically the whole Methodist church, um, they're, they're in that category where the, the season people graph would be really tall in this, you know, 20 something to early thirties is like minuscule. So what are some of those kind of like answers or how do you encourage people in those situations? Yeah. And I, I, I hope and pray 
um, that, that those who are 50, 60 plus uh, will be able to, in the Holy Spirit, lay down their preferences for the, for the name of and in the name of discipleship. And, and again, we're, we're all going to, we all have our preferences about worship style and preaching style and, and lights and, you know, all these things. Um, but to, to truly um, communicate God's word in a uh, authentic, bold uh, way, um, there, there's going to have to be an embracing of, you know what, it, we, we have to um, see the opportunity to raise up the younger generation as a, as a piece of our calling, um, not as something like, well, we, we just need, if, if these youngsters could just do it like we did it, then, then everything would be perfect in the world. And um, instead, we're trying to build a foundation for the you know, for the young person that is centered on God's word, because when they get to college and they're confronted with the liberal professor, uh, when they get to college and they're confronted with the opportunity um, to sin, when they uh, move on in their marriage and they're like all of these stages of life, um, the beauty of what we do from a, a, communi a community standpoint, again, in our small groups, our small groups aren't the 21 year old single male small group, but we call them lot families because there's 21 year olds and 60 year olds and three year olds um, the 60 year olds getting to invest in the 18 year old and the 18 year old has a, you know, has an older marriage to look at and the three year old has, you know, a 12 year old to look at so that, I mean, it's just, it's the beauty of family. And when I even read in Acts 2, seeing the early church gathering every day, part of their gathering, I believe is, is just reminding each other that it was worth it because it was in the face of great persecution. But the other, the other piece to that is the, I mean, the gospel was familial. I mean, when God was saving certain households, the whole household was getting baptized because uh, it, it, was, it was such a family movement. And, and so I think we've lost that, um, which is why we don't separate uh, or segregate our like, okay, and you know, kids, you guys go over here and have kid time. And, you know, adults, you guys go over here and have adult time. And, and every once in a while, we'll bring everyone together. Like we try to keep a family, at, you know, in both in view and in practice as much as we can. And it's not that we don't have student ministry. We do. It's not that we don't have this or, you know, or we don't, we, we do women's stuff and we do men's stuff. And, but we, you know, we walk in the tension of family focused ministry. And, and again, some would say, well, Mark, that, that, that's ridiculous. You know, there's no way that would work. And, and I might have said the same, the, the, the issue is like the bold proclamation of God's word is, is drawing young people. And, and it's beautiful to watch. So your church is in St. Charles, Missouri. St. Charles, Missouri. Yep, Matthias's, Matthias's lot, lot. church. Mm -hmm. And you can't find it on social media, but you can find it on YouTube. <laughs> you can find it on YouTube. And, and yep. it's far past underground. That's a great statement. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the goal of the church is to be underground, uh, but not be. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Tim, I, I appreciate you. And thanks, for, thanks again for your influence on my life. I I would say of the three or four men in my early stages of ministry that that had a great influence, um, you're you're one of those men, and so I'm grateful, I'm grateful for the uh, how God used you in my life, and I, I hope that I hope that you celebrate what God's done in my life as a piece of your own discipleship, well, um, because for those, it's those great words. It's real, yeah, it's true. It's it's good to be encouraged. Keep you going. And Mark, if I hadn't accidentally hit the zoom off button, I definitely would have returned those words to you. Thankful for your witness 
and your energy and even the times when you spoke of being young and being uh, raring to go and all those things have um, allowed the Lord to use you in mighty ways. And so I I praise the Lord for uh, your work, but I also thank you for your encouragement and so thankful for uh, just the, the effective ways that you are helping to shape and and share the gospel with the next generation and um, just praise the Lord for you. Thanks for being a part of this podcast and for everybody who is joining us and uh, all the regulars and anybody who's new, just a word to say, we'd love to have you subscribe and to uh, rate the podcast and all the things that people say you're supposed to do. Most often about twice a month, we have a podcast on Tuesdays to uh, relate with uh, ministry leaders and on Thursdays, about twice a month for worship leaders. And then every Friday, we host the Faithful Friday podcast. And you can search any of those by just Googling, or you can visit harvestministryteams.com slash podcast to get all the information. Thanks again. Blessings. Hey, this is Ava Andrews, and I lead worship with Harvest Ministry. We would love to invite you to listen to some of our music on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, or wherever you like to listen. Over the years, Harvest has recorded worship music, kids' worship, instrumental, and more. You can find all the various albums at harvestministryteams.com music. Thanks!